on the why of these things. Okay? Now let me open it just for a minute for anything I missed, Cindy, or any question. I'm not sure about the rumor. Oh, that's thank you, Cindy. Yeah, we're later on this summer we're gonna do a little uh like a Friday night gathering or we'll do something. But we about the only thing we've ever been able to do is to do breakfast in here on Sunday morning. We're gonna try to pull a little group group gathering together and just get together outside of Sunday morning. So we'll wait till later on in the summertime and we'll talk about that. You'll get a lots of information about that. Uh, I hear that um, I hear that Rhonda's gonna sing. I heard. I heard that. I heard that. So, who knows? You know what's going to happen? Uh, no, no, I, absolutely. You will not. You will not have to live through that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? We'll get Pete back up here. Okay, and we could do. He touched me, Pete. You know. All right. Now go to Act Six, and I want to give you the setting. Okay. When I think of Act Six. I think of why the church does a lot of the things the church ought to be doing. Okay? Um, uh, I, at the time of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, okay, so as the book of Acts begins, we think there were probably something like 500 committed disciples eyewitnesses to the resurrection, whatever. Uh, if you read Acts 1, you will hear him talk about 120 of them were gathered in the upper room. But we think they're a, they're a larger group also. You know, there's the group of the 12 disciples, there's a group of the 120, and then there's a group uh, of about 500. Where I get that idea is as I read, oh, about the sixth verse or so of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, there's this thought that Jesus appears to 500 of them gathered at one time, post-resurrection. It would be like we were, there was, uh, you know, several times this many of us in a room, and Jesus appears in his post-resurrection body. That's talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. So we believe there were about 500 or so of them that were committed followers at the time the book of Acts begins. All right? Now, um, it, it's interesting in, in that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about 500 brethren, but that's really talking about the family of faith after the resurrection. So imagine the church of about 500 waiting as they were told to in the fourth verse of the book of Acts, in Acts 1-4. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. They're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And in Acts 2, the church grew in one day from 500 by at least 3,000 souls in one day. Now, that number could have been more like 5,000 or 10,000. But the number that's reported in Acts 2 is 3,000. So a church of 500, all of a sudden they've got the job of assimilating 3,000 people. Now, if you look at, at, uh, at Marty's favorite ver uh, chapter, Acts 2, and toward the end, you will see, if your Bible is like mine, uh, a little, a little uh, paragraph heading that wasn't in the original Bible, but a little paragraph heading around verse 37 that says the ingathering. That's what that's talking about. All these people, and they begin to share one with each other. 
In, um, in 247, it talks about God adds to their number every day. And then in chapter 4, beginning about, thir uh, about verse 32, they began to care for each other. Talked about how they sold pieces of property to provide care for each other. Part of that was because of this influx of new people. Now, Bill Hall, who wrote, writes uh, what I feel is a watershed book on discipleship in the church, uh, called The Disciple-Making Church, uh, got my attention on this years ago. Look at chapter 2 and read verse 5. Let's read verse 5 just for a minute. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. It talks about those nations beginning in verse 9. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia. So you see all that. There were people in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Okay, and by the way, I, was, I, I missed celebrating Pentecost with you two Sundays ago. That's something we ought to always celebrate. But they were there for the day of Pentecost. These were Jews from all over the world. And when they came for Pentecost, they met Jesus. They met the story of Jesus on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. They heard Peter preach. Well, the deal was, okay, as they came from all of these places, people from every nation under heaven, it says here, had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. They planned to be there for the eight days or so of the feast, but then they stayed uh, the verse, uh, Acts 2, verse 5, that talks about they were living in Jerusalem. The word living there means they were residing. It means they had gotten a hotel room. They were staying here. The issue was, if there were 10,000 of them by chapter 5, and there were, maybe more than that, they stayed in Jerusalem starting the new church. And they didn't go home, at least until about chapter 8, when they were all dispersed under the persecution that began with the martyrdom of Stephen. The challenge that the church had was, we better get organized and take care of all these people. They had to have housing, they had to have food, all that kind of stuff. They brought, you know, what they could bring in their, uh, in their Samsonite and nothing more. And they had to be taken care of. So now, go with me to chapter 6. At this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews, now that's Greece, people who speak Greek, against the native Hebrews, because their widows are being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose... Seven men, including Stephen. Now, it's interesting to me that I think one of the things they discovered early on is that the church doesn't have an option not to take care of each other. Uh, by the, can I tell you? I bet the farm on this, okay? This is kind of what keeps me going in a lot of ways. That the church ought to take care of one another. Uh, a lot of my teaching over the years, a lot of um, kind of ministries that I've helped organize in the past has to do with 
they prayed about this. They organized the church and they commissioned people to take care of the needs of one another. But in the, on, along the way, isn't it interesting that even by chapter 6, if the church began in chapter 2, we're now in chapter 6, even by chapter 6, kind of the snobbishness of people has entered into the church. Did you kind of catch that between the lines? Paul, am I very far off? The Hebrews snobbishly looked at, in other words, the Jewish people who lived in Palestine, who spoke Aramaic, and spoke some Hebrew, read some Hebrew. They began to look at all these other folks and say, wait a minute. We don't need to take care of them. They're interlopers. They're newcomers. And I'm going to tell you, don't you love the fact that the apostles, when they saw that problem, saw that being talked about, they said, you guys are wrong. We got to organize to make sure everybody's needs are being met. I don't think a church has an option to deal with people needs. I, I think some churches you hear about and they say, well, we're really not into, into care. Uh, we're we're uh, big into worship here. Or we're into the word. Or we're into missions. Uh, aren't you glad we're part of a church who deals with all of those things? And this as well. Now, Look at verse 7, and I want to tell you about the result. There was a way in which this snobbishness, this lack of overriding care and concern for one another, could have train wrecked the baby church, the infant church of God. But they addressed it. They made sure everybody got fair treatment. And they organized it. The disciples knew we can't take this on ourselves. We've got to tell the story of the resurrection. So they began to appoint people. And they began to appoint other people. And those people appointed other people. And they said, they said Phil and Judy, will you help greet people? And they said, uh, Louise, will you help make sure that we've, got, we've got in, gotten involved in the other things that we need to get involved in? And Tina, would you keep the money? Tina's looking at me like she's going to kill me right there. <laughs> but at some point, we asked Tina to keep the money. And aren't we glad? Uh, by the way, she keeps... Uh, she keep, is it you that does that? Or, or is it, or is it uh, Ethion who keeps the... I get spreadsheets from you guys that are incredible. <laughs> kind of thought so, but I know either one of you do. We organize to get things done that we can't do well enough on our own. That's the idea. Look at the result in verse 7. What's the result? You can read it. They grew. They grew. In a time when they shouldn't have grown, they grew. Did you catch the extent to which they grew? Even the most Jewish people among them, the priests, came to faith. I, I just think that's incredible to think about. The guys who are offering sacrifices week after week after week. Uh, the guys who are, who are immersed in the law. Heard the story of the resurrection. And they saw the love of the people for one another. And they said, okay, I'm going to be a part of this. Even the priests 
became believers. Can you imagine what kind of preachers those guys were? Now, ladies, I say guys because they were all guys in those days, okay? That came later, all right? So, let's grow together. Can we do that? We got a little room. We can continue to grow. I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. But I, if it was something that we're supposed to run out of here for, I would think it'd be louder than that. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah. It better get louder than that, especially with a... Well, it went off, so... Okay. It'll come back on if it's firm. Uh, let's grow together. I, we want to work on this this summer and continue to kind of cast the vision so that we can invite people to fill these tables up. We've done it before. We can do it again. We can get it to the point where they can, they're going to have to move us somewhere else. But, by the way, don't tell anybody who said that because they'll send us back to the atrium. I don't want to do that. <laughs> We're going to do it by taking care of the needs of other people and each other. Would you join me in this thing? Would you just... Now, do, do you have, we got a couple minutes left. Have you got questions about how can I serve or what do I do? Tina, I'm assuming you're going to help me pick up all the cards for Estella and I'll make sure we get them to her. Okay. Uh, any questions? Any thoughts about this? Please do. Yeah. Thank you, Joanne. Uh, yeah, if you want to pray about it, take them home and bring them back next week or whatever. Yeah. Joanne's got, them, got hers already filled out. It's over there. So we'll pick up the ones that you leave behind. But we just could use your help to kind of keep us organized and keep, the, uh, keep everything kind of flowing. All right? Anybody else? I can't believe I did this by 9.05. You know? Yeah. You know what? When Dr. Fizer and I began to talk about my sabbatical break, uh, by the way, the project I'm working on is this stuff. It's caring for people. Uh, I've been thinking a lot, reading a lot this week about, okay, how do I say this? But the truth is, uh, when Dr. Fizer and I began, first began to talk about this, we talked about what will my... You know, okay, you're, are you going to have to teach every week? Uh, will that take time away from thinking about other things you need to think about? And then, frankly, from just some rest, which he's so kind to have thought of me in that way. And one of the hardest parts about this was taking time off from you all because I just love being here and I love getting to see you. So I'll be around, but Paul's going to help me fill in and, and we'll have... Uh, We'll get Ellie in here some week, probably. So you don't want to miss that week. <laughs> By the way, one person I neglected to mention, you saw other lists on there, is Karen Boggs, who keeps us prayed for. Aren't you grateful for her? Now, by the way, if she ever misspells your name, it's because you didn't write it down, okay? So if you got a prayer request, write it down and pray for each other. Let me lead us in prayer right now and we'll go. Father, thank you for how you have ignited this class with the vision of how to take care of one another. I think we're exemplary in that way and we take care of other people as well. Thank you for our time to be together as a class today and for your word that leads us. We pray that you would help us to continue to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great Sunday.